Hey, I'm Erin Williamson. I'm the Chief Customer Officer for Cars24, and you're listening to Unconventional Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to HubSpot's Unconventional Business. A show about how Australian and New Zealand brands are growing and winning by putting the customer experience first. We're talking with leaders from our best homegrown brands about their journey, the decisions they made along the way, and their biggest learnings. I'm James Gilbert. And I'm Kat Warboys, and we'll be your hosts this season. Now let's get into the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Unconventional Business Podcast. I'm James Gilbert, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today, we have Erin Williamson, the Chief Customer Officer of Cars24, joining us. Hi, Erin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, James. Awesome to be here, and hello, everyone listening. For people who don't know a lot about Cars24, how would you describe it? I'd describe it as the absolute future of used car buying. So... Let me unpack that a little bit for yeah, you. Yeah. It's a big sentence. It's a huge one, but we can back it yeah. up, right? So yep. um, I think if you think back, James, to the last used car that you bought. Yep. Subaru Liberty, 1996. <laughs> Look, you probably, you may have found it online, um, but then whether it's a dealer or a private seller, you've got inspections to go through. You know, you're often at someone's house in the middle of the night trying to figure out what the car's about. You buy it with limited protection, so you're not really sure if you're buying a lemon. Um, and the whole thing can take weeks, and it's it's something that we feel um, it's a process that is really ripe for disruption, and that's what we bring, essentially. So um, consider you're at home on your couch. You jump online to our website. We've got over 1,400 cars that are all quality assured. You choose, you pay, and then it's delivered to your door. And at that point, you've got seven days to love it. If you don't love it, we'll come and get it. So full money back guarantee. Yeah. So I have bought two cars in in my life, both used, both interestingly different experiences. The first one, I was so poor. It was when I was at uni and it was like scrimping and that fear of buying a lemon is pretty real, especially like I'm not a handy person at all. And so like my ability to buy a lemon is pretty high because I don't know what to look out for to make sure I'm not doing that. And so, yeah, you you then have to try to figure out how do you protect yourself. And even then, there is a real feeling of vulnerability because there's so many literal moving parts with a car you just don't know if like you're buying one just before it has to do a big repair or you're buying one and it's going to make some I don't know noise or something that annoys you or oh, I know the noises yeah the noises can be real <laughs> the, that's when I was when I was researching your company the seven days return policy I was like oh that's amazing that's like a huge reason why you would want to buy a car from Cars24 versus Joe down the street or a, a traditional yeah. dealer. Look, it is a game changer. We do realise that, you know, we're used to buying so much online these days, be it shoes or be, be it, you know, big appliances like a washing machine or, or something like that. But, you know, the jump to buying a car is a pretty big one. And so, mm-hmm. you know, those protections are in place to make sure that people are aware that there's no risk. You know, they can yep. they can purchase a car online and we feel that a 10-minute test drive just doesn't show you anything. You don't know whether it's going yeah. to be great in the dark or in the rain or, you know, do yeah. you have the opportunity to get the kids in the back seat and out or take it to the shops? And that's yep. why, you know, for such a big investment, you've got to make sure it's 100% right for you and that's 
you know, we give you a week to do that. I feel like the used car uh, world, the, all those problems have existed, but it's also, we've had such a weird 18, 20 months where I, I did buy a car last year and then I sold it six months later and I sold it for more than I bought it for because there was so much demand for cars. Like, yeah. you know, I think as people think about cars, they would think, oh, surely in the city car ownership would be starting to drop as people ride e-bikes or catch public transport into the city or something. But it seems a very – it that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems people are still very car – Car-centric, exactly. So there's a couple couple of trends to unpack there. So I think, first and foremost, you're right, the market is very hot at the moment, and Mm. that's largely driven by um, the supply chain that the OEMs or the original manufacturers, so your big brands, your Toyota, um, your Mazdas, they have had huge supply chain disruptions during COVID, not only in logistics Mm -hmm. as in getting things on boats, getting them to Australia, but also with parts, in particular, there's a, a a smart chip that drives a lot of the electronics for these cars, which is in very, very short supply. And so what you've seen then is huge waiting lists for new cars and that obviously the demand then turns to used cars. So, look, it is a great time to consider a trade-in potentially. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing there is price transparency. So yes, if you use car shopping, you can get a little bit of a shock. That's why you've got to know where the price sits compared to the market. And we actually, we've got tools on our website that compares us to the average dealer asking price. Um, And 90% of our stock actually sits below that. That's the first thing. Oh, wow. The second thing, you know, do not get caught buying something that doesn't have a great warranty behind it or that hasn't mm. been through a really, really thorough inspection. And so we cover that as well. Essentially, we're in the customer service business. We just want people to go through this feeling confident, feeling great, you know, and able to enjoy the car without that lingering sense of worry that they've made a mistake. But how do you, as a business, um, if you're offering all those additional services, you know, like those safety checks you talk about or warranties, there's a lot of costs associated with that. And if you're combining that with a lower price, how does the business how work? How do we work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know you've raised a lot of money. That that There's clearly a lot of people that believe you work very well. Oh, but, you know, that's the thing about raising money. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to pay yeah. it back at some point. Look, um, yeah. There's, there's a few things to that. So as a purely online business, we do not have showrooms. We do not mm-hmm. have massive, you know, footprints. And, you know, I think a major part of the costs that go into funding a traditional dealership is actually the staff incentives. So mm-hmm. if you think of, you know, the commission that your dealer is making and that his salesperson is making and then you know, that that does tend to add up. So our model is very lean. We also have state-of-the-art sourcing tools. So algorithms and, you know, all sorts of screens open and an expert sourcing Mm -hmm. team who are buying the right quality vehicles at the right age and the right odometer that need, yes, they're 300 point inspected and yes, they go through a really rigorous refurb process. But we do ourselves a favour by not buying junk to start with. So, you yep. know, the costs in keeping that, um, getting them to the standard that we want are, are pretty yep. reasonable. 
Um, okay. And then it's it's just about, I think, online allows us to service such a wide footprint. Um, yeah. And so we've got market opportunities that traditional dealers don't have. We've just expanded to the whole of regional Queensland, for example. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine like how much money it would take to put dealerships throughout the whole of Queensland. Like that's, yeah. that's something that, you know, traditional models take years and years to do. That was one of the things I was really curious on. Like you're, you're, I feel like your business is similar to almost the dating app business where you essentially need to make sure you've got supply to meet demand on a very local basis. Like if I'm in regional Queensland looking for a car, likelihood it probably needs to be based in Queensland for me to buy it. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's asterisks around that if it's, you know, depending. Not but really, actually, not James. Really. So just, oh, okay. no, let me. So yeah. um, we've got three operation centres in Queen, sorry, in Brisbane in Sydney and in Melbourne, and that's where all of our stock mm -hmm. is held. And yep. if you are buying anywhere within 100Ks of Metro, say that you are in, in Brisbane and you've chosen a Melbourne car, then we just ship it up the eastern seaboard for free. So oh, wow. you wouldn't expect that your shoes need to come from the next suburb. So why yeah. should it be any different with used cars? I guess that's fair. I just thought the transport costs would be, it just wouldn't stack up, but maybe maybe it does. Yes, it is an added cost, obviously. And, you know, as our business matures, then we will probably get smarter in that area and we'll be able to hold stock that um, the local market is demanding and, and be able to read those yeah. signals in a little bit more of a sophisticated way. But at the moment, we're just about service. We're well-funded. Gotcha. We've got an incredibly long runway um, yeah. to make this work. So. Customer happiness is the number one priority. So, so when you expand, so as you expand to Queensland, what does that mean you actually do then? Because if you're, yeah, if sure. in theory, you can just be servicing, you know, most of the country pretty easily. Like, what do you actually do as a company to start focusing on a region like regional Queensland to grow it faster? Absolutely. Well, firstly, you know, the signals for demand were there in that we were getting calls from people outside our delivery radius saying, oh, you know, can I purchase, can I purchase? And we definitely facilitated those early sales. Um, so then it is about scalability and how we standardise the approach, right? Step one is product. We get our product team to open up the ability on the website for people to purchase. And secondly, the first stage of regional delivery is a trusted delivery partner. So in okay. metro areas, what you'll find is that our concierge team will bring the car to you in person. And then, of course, they go back to the office. So that's not, that's mm -hmm. not feasible from Brisbane to Townsville, say. So yep. we have a trusted delivery partner who, at a very reasonable cost, which is passed on to the customer, um, mm -hmm. will bring the car from Brisbane to their remote location. So you, so you have to get the partners. Do you do anything to... So that's like meeting the demand that you're seeing. Do you do things to like help expand the demand from the region? Like do you, how does that work? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you've caught me on a great day because I believe um, we'll be on regional Queensland TV news this afternoon. So, oh, wow. you know, from a marketing standpoint, um, we lead with PR. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we know that trusted news sources are such a great um, 
well, trusted, there you go, trusted source yeah. of information yeah, yeah. for, <laughs> for so name. many of yeah. Australians. Uh, so that's sort of our first port of call. We make sure that we get the news out to the local area through great, you know, trusted channels. And yep. um, from there, it's about, I think, you know, our marketing is efficient and lean. It, it runs on test and learn. So we mm-hmm. would probably introduce some sort of performance marketing to pick up the demand that's there. We use social to get awareness out in a discrete location at a really cheap cost. And then we yep. might consider each location separately. So, you know, does out of home work to drive awareness there or is a radio partnership the best way to go? Um, yep. So, you know, we've just had um, an Adelaide launch and that's been really successful. So I think it was two weeks ago. And yep. already we're starting to see sales sort of flow in from, from people in Adelaide who are just delighted to have that um, that service and they're delivered right yeah. to their door, right? And I think, yep. look, I grew up in Tassie. It is very standard for the poor Tassie person to look locally and then yep. have to go through the process of flying over to the mainland, yeah. finding the car, hoping it's the right car because you've only got a day or two in town and then paying yep. a thousand bucks to get it back on the boat. Um, yeah. And, you know, it takes three days, four days, depending on where it is. So, you know, we can't wait to, um, Tassie's a, a market that I'm super passionate about and we've got that in our sights. Oh, I went to uni in Tassie. I, I know the mainland v Tassie problem. Yep, mainland uh, v Tassie. Very, very yep. well. I've also took that ferry a number of times. Uh, it's not an amazing ferry. No, I'm taking it for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, not- you think people people think it's like, oh, catch the spirit of Tassie and it'll be great, like a little almost mini holiday. It's like, no, no, it's transport. It's not a mini holiday. It's not a yeah, cruise ship. It like can you, be pretty grim, you, you know, if you're not well yeah. prepared. So always make sure I bring snacks and um, sit close to the bar. Yep. No. Yep. Uh, <laughs> good combo. Very good combo. Yeah. Uh, and... So I guess you, when we started talking and the problem that you identified was there's just so much uncertainty for buyers in buying these cars and you've introduced services to help give them more comfort and more certainty and that's like warranties and inspections and a, and a return policy seem to be the three kind of pillars of that. Is there more things that you have planned in the future to help uh, make that buying experience better? Or is that really the three pillars that you're just going to try to enhance over time? Sure. Well, look, I think, you know, because we, we have done significant deep research, um, consumer research before launching, and it's actually great to work for a company that recognises that, you know, research is where everything should start. Um, I've been in other roles where I have to fight, you know, fight for every dollar and it's like, oh. Um, so look, that they're definitely, when we sort of said, what would it take you to buy a car online or what do you hate about the used car process? Um, warranty, the quality assurance and the guarantee. I mean, obviously they weren't thinking in terms of seven-day returns because that doesn't exist or it didn't. Um, they were definitely the pillars that people need in order to feel comfortable to buy. Um, but I think you know, post-launch, it's about taking the experience of those things even further. So our 300-point inspection, you know, what does the future look like for that? Is it um, is it personalised to each car? Is it signed off by a person that you can actually see? So it's like Bob has signed off on this particular car. I think that builds a lot of trust. Um, you know, are there video inspections available? Do we integrate better video technology 
in terms of the 360 degree view of our cars. All of those things are possible. So it's, I think it's about um, keeping the experience really online, like digital, as in, you know, use all the best tools that are available to really enhance that experience. But at the same time, you know, these three things have made a massive impact in terms of we've been blown away by the response. Um, the customer feedback at the end of the process is mind-blowing. We're, um, we, yeah, we pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> you know, we're always looking to improve, but we're, we know that we've nailed the, the proposition um, because we just need to keep going, keep growing and keep, keep that quality high. Yeah, I feel like th- those are the main things. If, you, if, you, if you're offering all those things, it really does alleviate a lot of concerns people had around traditionally buying used cars. Um, and then it feels like it's actually just more educating people that these things are possible. Like the idea of a returns policy for a car is very novel. Like I don't think many people, I've never heard of that before. And it, it certainly, you know, that removes all concerns because you're just like, okay, well, if you have made a mistake, you can recognize that in the first seven days and return the car. So that is, that is fine. Exactly. I mean, I think just to follow on to that point, mm. I mean, when you look at the, the team that we've assembled, our CEO was the head of consumer strategy for Uber Eats. Um, you know, I came from luxury escapes. We've got, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple of ex consultants from the big four. And so you put this, this bunch of people together who are not traditionally auto from all different industries. And it's like, well, bring the best of those experiences to build something new rather than try and improve on incrementally on what's already there. And so that's why, you know, we're all e-commerce crazy. Why wouldn't yeah. you have a fantastic returns policy? You do for everything else. And what is the thing that would stop like car sales starting to copy this? Or I'm, I'm not sure if they're the appropriate person to reference or um, other used car dealers. Like, Could yeah, you see sure. them mimicking you or no, there's real reasons why they couldn't? Look, I think, I think there's a couple of things. So um, firstly, I'd say car sales would be the first to tell you that they are a marketplace. So they're mm. there to facilitate connections between supply, supply and demand. Um, yep. Getting into this game where you actually own the consumer experience from end to end is probably not their bag. Um, yep. And I think, you know, we obviously look at, at various competitors. Um, you know, some are probably more online and more nimble, but then funding and the ability to have a big volume of cars he kind of wins the day there. And so we, you know, we feel that we've already really had a fantastic jump on the market in that sense. Mm -hmm. And then for your more traditional dealers, yeah, they can certainly implement aspects, but it's such a, um, a mindset shift. And it's not only for the business to have a mindset shift, but it's every single person that works there. And you'll have people that have worked in the industry for 40 years can you yeah. completely transform the thinking of a business in a short space of time to be competitive? You know, the companies I've worked with going through digital transformations in the past, that takes years. Yeah. Well, also it sounds like they're incentives. Yeah, it, it's a very good point. We don't have salespeople and we have helper people. We have service people, yeah. you know, um, and they're not incentivized per sale. And that's so important. It means that what they take pride in is customer joy, not their pay packet. Mm. 
They also yeah. don't have the pressure of performing well or badly in any given month. You know, it doesn't relate to how how well they're remunerated and how they can support their families. So we yeah. built that from the ground up because the pressure that you feel, you know, in the car yard and the, the yeah. calls that you get afterwards, it's a massive turnoff. For sure. And I think, yeah, it's interesting. The salesperson at their car dealership, if you told him that your customer, once he makes a sale for the next seven days, that customer could return the product and presumably he would lose his commission, they would, I, I just imagine they would absolutely hate that. And then oh, that yeah. is not just the salesperson, that's their manager and probably the owner of the dealership. And there's a real incentive blocker that they would ever be willing to offer that kind of um, you know, consumer like benefit because it presents, presents such a risk. We are a disruptor, and disruptors are mm. always going to upset the the local players and the apple cart and whatnot. And I understand why. Like there's billions and I think $30, $55 billion, if I'm correct, $55 billion tied up in, in this market. And that's a yep. lot of dependencies. But, you know, we feel that um, none of it is putting the consumer first. And, mm -hmm. you know, if we make that our mission, then we can definitely make a very, very sustainable business um, that also benefits customers, offers some choice, um, mm -hmm. and that, you know, people that really prefer the traditional way of doing things can absolutely do that. You know, we don't have to serve the whole of Australia. So it sounds like as a company, you're not as geographically constrained as most companies operating in the space, but I'm sure you still are when it comes to like continents. Like once you hit the ocean, you're probably, you're, you know, your Australian operation isn't going to be servicing New Zealand most likely like how do you or Singapore like how do you think about expanding into brand new countries or new regions is it the same that you do within a country where you just look for where that you've been pulled into it and then you try to give the supply to meet that demand or how does that yeah. work yeah no there's um well let me I'll give you a bit of backstory so mm. our parent company um is based in India. Um, their recent valuation, they're India's first unicorn. So their recent valuation yep. was at 1.8 billion US. They are they are a household name in India. They have changed mm -hmm. the way that the entire country has has sort of seen buying and selling cars, and they've made it systematic, um, legit. As in, you know, probably yep. in the past there was a lot of cash changing hands and stuff like that. So they're really at the forefront of cleaning up that industry. Um, they have spearheaded expansion in the UAE, mm -hmm. um, which is a couple of months ahead of us and going incredibly well. And there's also a hub in Thailand that's probably going to service most of the Southeast Asian countries too. Um, yep. So in terms of our approach to global expansion, these are some of the smartest guys you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. They are very ambitious and they've got a business model that absolutely works. So for us, never say never. Um, there's nothing on the table at the moment, but yeah, I like to keep my eye on New Zealand. I think that'd be, yeah. you know, be lovely. It's not too far. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's similar to Tassie. It's like it's not it's not that much further. Uh, no, so but if I you mean, can I crack think... Tassie, you can probably crack New Zealand. Exactly, yeah. and I think the um, you know, the point that you raise is that um, local teams work best 
you know, obviously um, you need to source the stock locally. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be cost prohibitive to try and move cars between countries, so that's definitely not on the table. But what you can see um, is that our founders have got, have assembled the right teams and then given them absolute trust that they know the the locality that they're working in. So while they... um, They're there to encourage us and to challenge us and to support us. Um, They also are quite happy for us to be the experts. And our business model is quite, looks very different to the one that you see in Dubai, for instance. The starting in India is interesting. I was was, um, listening to an interview about Amazon and it was talking about how, you know, they started with books selling online. And it was so low margin that they had to be very, very disciplined around all their costs. And what they they got really good at was managing those costs for themselves. As they got really good at that, they recognized, oh, wow, there's an opportunity for us to turn this into a business. We can turn this cost line into a business. Most famous is AWS. They got very good at managing their server costs. And then they're like, oh, we could actually do this for other companies. Let's turn this into a business line. It's interesting, as you started in India, I imagine India would have presented a lot more challenges than a traditional, you know, like Western market for selling used cars. Were there things that Mm. were developed through the process of finding success in India that have given you a, a really big outsize advantage as you've come to like Australia and markets like that? Yeah, I mean, I think the maturity of their business and the challenges that they faced early on, like it's kind of the knowledge for me is probably the biggest tool. Um, Mm -hmm. India has only about 3% auto penetration um, and obviously an enormous population. So we in Australia sit more at around 97% auto penetration. Wow. Um, So you can sort of see, you see the difference already. And we have a very, very entrenched systematic way of buying and selling cars, which didn't exist in India. So mm-hmm. while um, yeah, dealers you could buy from, there was no systematic way to sell a car apart from private sellers. You know, yep. So disposing of it in a trustworthy way um, was really tricky. Um, yeah. But look, I think we probably look a little bit more closely at Dubai and their success because they're two, three months ahead of our journey. And so that's a fantastic comparison. We're, we're as a team, we're Obviously, super busy day to day, but we do have some great connection points um, so that we can sort of share learnings. And, you know, some of the some of the wonderful feedback I've received is that um, globally, everyone absolutely loves the marketing concepts that we've put together. Um, so yeah. if you've seen the ads, you know, that little character, Carl, um, mm-hmm. I think he might be on his way to um, Thailand. Oh, he wow. He might be popping up, okay. popping up in Bangkok. Bangkok Carlos got a passport. Um, yeah, he does. Yeah. So, you know, there's um, as a group, we're all we all do face different different challenges, but um, it's just it's so it's fantastic to be part of a global business um, and get those different perspectives. One of the things that the business has done is raised a lot of money. It's not just a little bit. Yeah, we're pretty I, good. I've read it. about. Yeah, I read about some of the funding <laughs> rounds, and it's interesting. The way it's been raised is slightly different in that there's a lot of debt as well as traditional like equity financing, which you haven't seen a lot of. You've seen a little bit with some of the like property tech businesses, but 
Can you talk about like why as a business you've decided to raise so much money and, and if, if it's relevant, like why debt as well as equity? At a very top line level, um, the business probably um, had, I think we're up to series F, the most recent funding round mm-hmm. was series F. And so that journey probably started in the more traditional sort of VC type funding. Yep. The local debt raise that we've just gone through here in Australia, which for $100 million, um, it's basically to to fund our expansion in terms of inventory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the buying of stock probably has different conditions surrounding it than it does to funding a business, if that makes sense, and, you know, dealing with yep. overheads and, and staffing. Yeah. So it is a little it is a little different. We, um, we certainly received um, a generous let's say, launch fund um, from yep. our parent company. But, you know, we are, um, we've got quite aggressive profit, profitability targets. We are definitely not going to be, you know, <clears throat> Uber, one of those um, <laughs> fantastic, you know, unicorn businesses that will never really see the light of profitability. We are definitely yeah. a, a commercial entity. Um, yep. And for sustainability, um, you know, we're we're designed to – come to a profit for sure. That makes sense. And the purchasing of vehicles, uh, of course, that requires a ton of money. But what you talked about is one of your secret source ingredients is the ability to do that very, very well. And that presumably like that's a pretty broken process for most people at the moment is like the efficiency of buying used vehicles. Um I've always wondered this. I hope you can answer this because this has been like a hunch of mine for a long time. That no the, pressure. You know, it's a, it's a bit of pressure. The you know people. There's that old quip that as soon as you buy a new car, drive it off a lot. You you know it's depreciating and you've lost money or whatever. I have wondered their depreciation of used cars. I've had a hunch that it's not straight line down it's like it'll drop a bit at a certain milestone and then it'll actually plateau and that if you were actually pretty savvy and you were buying cars say like you were buying a three-year-old white Kluger with you know 30,000 kilometers on the odometer as long as you sold it before 70,000 the value isn't going to drop much as long as you know but it sold it before 70,000 sold it before it was five years old you're in a plateau range. No, I get where you're coming from, James. Is it yeah. true? I need to know. Okay, right. Well, please, firstly- please answer this. This has been a big punch <laughs> for a long time. Okay. <laughs> you're right that, look, I think um, certainly there's a sweet spot for us. So basically, I think your, your basic tenant is correct. But Phew. you've also, you've got to overlay that with about a thousand different parameters. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot. Did you buy the sports pack? You know, what's the, yeah. the demand for that vehicle at that point in time? Like for Hyundai i30s are just whizzing out the door at the moment. So we, yep. we sell a huge volume of them. Um, you know, and then once every so often, ex-government, you, you know, they will turn over their cars every two, three years and you might get, you know, 200 white Hyundai i30s flood the market. And so that there's all this price oh, elasticity yeah, yeah, yeah. that comes into it. Um, but, yeah, look, I think what you'll see on our website is we're trying to do a bell curve in terms of demand. 
So yep. you will find some very, very new cars. I think I saw one on there the other day that only had 31 kilometers on the clock, obviously brand mm-hmm. new X demo. Well, yep. not even demo. Like, where did they even go? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the bulk are between, say, two to seven years of age and under 100,000 kilometers. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they hold their value very well. It's true that, you know, they also, they don't come cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah. Um, but they are quality in their design to really last, again, that five, seven year, 10 year, you know. So, look, anyone can buy super cheap cars but it doesn't yeah. really pay in the long run. So yeah, look. The other thing that you might be excited about, we're um we're we're going to launch what we call C2B very very shortly. Um we're just in um product testing at the moment, but the ability for you to jump online in 4 minutes, give us a couple of details about the car that you want to sell, you get an offer mm-hmm. on the spot and it's valid for 7 days. You say yes. At the right time we'll come and collect it. So you know, wow. if you're curious about the value of the car that's sitting in the driveway and you've been thinking about making a move, yeah, watch this spot because, it, oh, God, it's such an easy way to sell a car. It's like the ease of buying yeah. the car, but 10 times easier in reverse. That that would be very handy. When I tried to sell that car last year, it was actually a real pain to do it. Uh, and I was doing it remotely too, which was even oh, trickier. Yeah. No, I can imagine you would have had lots of, Lots of phone calls, lots of messages, lots of no-shows. Lots, yeah. Oh, heaps, heaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's amazing how many people tell you they really, really want to come and check it out and they're good, they're going to buy it and then they just ghost you. It's like, oh, all right. It's painful um, on both sides. They don't want to come. Yeah. And you need them to come and they didn't come. <laughs> 100%. So it's a, it's a definite lose-lose. I'm, I'm curious and it, it's maybe not relevant. I don't know if you saw all the um, – is there a is there a parallel with some of the real estate websites like Zillow and and things like that where they started buying homes as well like they understood the uh, market for homes and then they were like okay we can buy it, be the buyer of homes because we're collecting all this data and then we can be selling those homes as well. Um, I imagine as you collect more and more data and your purchasing process becomes more efficient, you're like uh and if like almost a, a market force you know an effect on a little on bit but it's degree. like yeah. it's a tricky it's a tricky one to balance because i think the zillow lesson is they did it too much and it became an issue where they became too much of a market force that like they started buying uh cars not as profitably like there's a it feels there's a balancing act where if you <laughs> all get too good uh, mm. You might be influencing the prices such that there's no margin in it for you anymore. Is that even possible? I don't think it is. That's yeah, look, I think at this. At, no, no, it's not at all. And I do see where you're going. And, you know, um, the Zillow um, example is a really good one. You know, like if you think it's ballsy to get $100 million to buy a lot of cars over the next couple of years, and you can imagine mm. doing this for houses, it's. Good grief. You know, there's some ballsy people out there. Americans yeah. just add zeros. Like they do. millions? Exactly. Yeah. Billions? Well, you know, I think that their um the cost of housing over there is probably a quarter of what it is here. But um look, I think um you've got to look at the pie being a fifty five billion dollar market. And, yep. you know, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of players in it. 
So mm-hmm. in order for anyone to have that sort of dramatic effect, then, you know, the biggest players probably, you've got car, sa- car sales, which is worth about seven bill. Um, some of the big, big dealers are, have got annual turnover of two billion. So you see, when you start mm-hmm. to slice it up, there are a lot of slices to go around. Um, yep. And it is it is quite tricky for one single entity to yeah. have such an effect that um, that it kind of blows the market out one Disrupts way or the other. Disrupts the market a bit. Yeah, yep. but no, okay. it's a, it is a really good question because it is a, an entire economy of its own. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. we're sort of seeing the effects of that right now with the um, supply and demand and the and the prices being up. It's interesting. I could imagine the data set that you're developing that helps you do the purchasing really well. That could even be valuable to new car uh manufacturers i imagine as you like the i30 example that you mentioned is an interesting one where it's like oh the you know there's two inputs really to the demand there's this it, what cars are trending in terms of demand and then what's the supply of them to meet that demand and if you're a new car manufacturer you would really want to know like okay what's trending with people buying cars beyond what I know from selling new cars, like used cars is also probably representative of that demand. Um, and you could be seeing a spike in like four-wheel drives or smaller yeah. compact cars. And it, and to your point around Queensland, it might be different per region. Um, I imagine the new car... hugely. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Queenslanders love their trucks. You know, yep. love their Ford Rangers and whatnot. And um, here in in Melbourne, we we've just seen a lot of um, small city hatches. But yeah, no, I get the I get the point that you're making. I think um, how the um, the new car brands operate, they've obviously got partnerships with used car dealers that sit under their brand. So you might have your yep. local Subaru dealership that has the new and the used stock. Um, and I also think, um, you know, it's probably where um, some of your bigger partnerships um, are so valuable back to those parent brands. Like we're completely agnostic um, mm-hmm. and that's a great, I think that's a really good place to be um, because we are not, uh, we do not have obligations to particular brands over another. We don't have pressures to sell one car or the other. We can be completely customer led yeah. and, you know, we obviously, we rely on, as much data as we can get our hands on. And, you know, the classic Google search trends are often a fantastic, you know, place to start and will tell you so, so much. But I have found that, you know, the data surrounding the used car market is a bit of a black box. So there's no definitive source. Um, You kind of have to piece together little bits and pieces from from various sources to try and um, get a picture. Um, And the stuff that does exist is a little bit, out of date. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's that, that is a continual um, opportunity, I think, for us to, to keep sort of mining that data and try and build our own view. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a huge opportunity. It's going to help you all be tremendously, you know, that's going to help you just add more and more margin as you become more and more sophisticated on the buying end. And then as you've added so much, like, convenience and certainty for people on the purchasing end that's going to make the um, purchasing process much better for consumers it's a pretty winning combination if you're expanding your margin at the at the same time uh, 
I I've found this really interesting as someone who yeah I've only ever bought two cars. It's been far from a perfect process both times, and they've both been used cars. I think the next time I buy one, it will be using you all. The idea of a seven day return policy alone is enough reason that I would want to use you. And that's before we even get into warranties and, and, and the testing and things like that. So, And you, you do see that lovely um, relaxing of the shoulders. So, you know, do a bit of spruiking yeah. at barbecues. Well, not lately, but, you know, if I'm, if I'm out talking to someone, I'm explaining the concept. As soon as I say, look, you've got seven days to love it or yep. return it at no cost, you see the shoulders drop and they're like, oh, well, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? And we say, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. There's no risk. No brainer, no risk. Yeah. yeah. So you've, you've taken something that's very risky, very uncertain, and you've stripped it of all risk. Well, it's Cars Twenty Four Mission. Yeah. So that's um, that's it's fantastic to sort of have these chats and and to get that feedback. I think um, you know, when the opportunity came up to work for Cars Twenty Four, I had been through the process. You know, um, mm-hmm. I had a used car that cost me twelve thousand dollars <laughs> in a three yeah. week, four week, five week period and I just didn't know when it was gonna end. So, oh. you know, my last car was a new car because I was separated and having mm. to navigate that process myself. I'm like, well, I know nothing about cars. Um so yeah. I suppose I will have to buy a new one because at least it won't be broken. And I just think that is a shit <laughs> a really yeah. shit way for people to feel. This is the great 100%. equalizer. So non-car yeah. people, I think women can be really disadvantaged in this area and, and not feel very confident. I know that was that was me. Um, but, you know, there's that kind of blindness to an e-commerce website where, you know, we can't tell if you're a mechanic or we can't tell if you're a grandmother or someone yeah. who has arrived in Australia five minutes ago or, you know, is um, a parent of nine kids. Everyone really gets treated equally. Um, we have been really shocked, to be honest, that at the diversity of our customers. Yeah, we we thought it'd be you know like the young tech whiz kids, blah blah blah. Mm. Nope, we deliver to mums, we deliver to grandparents, we deliver to country people, city people, professional people, blue collar people. It's um, it is, it just goes to show like we we just weren't expecting to appeal to such a wide audience, but we are. It's interesting. I I think that is touching on something I hadn't thought about, which is like cars for a lot of people, they do associate with like personality types. And it's like, oh, you're this type of this type of person. It's weird. It's almost like people see what type of car you're driving and they make a lot of judgments around your personality. But that actually is also a part of the buying process. Like that if you walk into a car yard, I'm sure the dealer or the person selling the cars is making those judgments about you and what is the right car. And there's a whole bunch of like, I guess, judgment and and also possible prejudice that is stopping people getting the best buying experience possible that you being online help remove. Yeah, look, there's prejudice and then it's when it it hits the hip pocket, which is really uncool. Like, you know, try driving up to a used car dealership in a Mercedes. Yeah. And then try driving up in a 10-year-old Kia Rio and sort of see the difference in in yeah. what cars you're taken to and, and the prices that um, are presented to you. So, 
yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people are petrified about stepping foot in the in the dealership and then you also get, yep. you know, them looking over your shoulder to see if there's a more valuable fish standing behind yeah. you or, yeah. So, look, none of that's nice. I understand that no. they've got a job to do, but I just think they've been trained to do it in an environment that really has not put the car, the you know, the car buyer first. Yeah. Um, it's there to service a lot of, a lot of dealers. And, you know, we, we, it's, it sometimes, you know, it's, it's a bit daunting being such a disruptor and a, such a challenger, like, um, but, you know, if we come back to the fact that there's plenty of choice to go around, there's plenty of cars, plenty of car dealers, there's, there's lots of entities for people to choose. It's simply we'd love to be part of the consideration set so that um yeah you know if if this model works they um customers can take advantage of it i think you'll become the dominant part of that consideration set so woohoo i hope so <laughs> oh I, I i mean it's hard it's hard to see how it wouldn't happen i think you present a lot of value to consumers that they previously haven't got around for what is for many of them a huge purchase and for what for many of them is a daunting process and one filled with risk. And I think you've removed that risk and you've made the process uh, far safer for them, which, you know, given the enormity of the purchase is going to translate into them wanting to do it with you. Well, that's a, a really great report card, James. Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> um, you know, for anyone listening, um, just pop on cars24.com. Have a look, you know, experience it yep. for yourself. You can get all the way through to um, the purchase bit. You don't have to actually put in your credit card details and, and move forward, but you can sort of see how easy it is. And I think um, it gives you probably just, you know, something to keep in mind for next time you're, you're buying or if you hear of friends that are buying, you know. Everyone loves yeah. to be the person that recommends them something amazing. Um, so yeah. we'd love to be it. No, I, I think you will be. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time today, Erin. I've, I've really enjoyed learning about Cars24 and I'm sure our audience has as well. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to HubSpot's Unconventional Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'd love you to subscribe and tell your friends, co-workers, you know what, tell whoever. Before we go, a shout out to our mates over at Audio-Technica for bringing us today's epic sound quality. Whether you're after an awesome pair of headphones to listen to your favorite podcast on or a mic to start your own, Audio-Technica has you covered. Head to audio-technica.com.au to check them out.